Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another exciting One Patriots Place. I am Thomas Murphy, your semi-single host today. (laughs) Steve will not be joining us today. He's got some other things going on, and that's really killing him. It really is, man. It's bothering him because we have the one and only Karen Garigian, my favorite Armenian from... uh, the Boston Herald stopping in today to chat a little, guess what, Patriots with us and some NFL stuff. But sitting in his seat is somebody that, you know, needs no introduction except here because this is, you know, like radio and you can't see him. And that's my good friend Mike Diabate from Locked On Patriots, and he also writes right here. Uh, Mike, how you doing, bud? Thank you for stepping in. Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure, Murph. You know, it's uh, the fact that people can't see me probably adds to my mystique. Uh, the voice, I assure you, is a lot more aesthetically pleasing or uh, audio pleasing uh, than aesthetically <laughs> it would be if you could see me. But other than that, I think we're in good shape. And I'm I'm honored to be a part of this. Uh, definitely big shoes to fill with Steve not being here today. But uh, I shall do my best, folks. And uh, we've got a great show. Uh, Karen is definitely one of the most knowledgeable people in this industry. So we'll be absorbing her wisdom and council like only we can but it's always a pleasure to join you on the microphone my friend it really is man it's always a blast when we get to sit down together whether it's here whether it's on a locked on show or whether we're doing chase bippy it's always fantastic man yeah folks go check out chase bippy (laughs) absolutely (laughs) if you can find it glendon very very Um, highly recommended folks (laughs) we do we do man some good stuff we got another show another show coming up next week or the week after we're going to get back into that studio and open up that bar, and we're going to ask all of you for uh, for a little input on it, see what you might want to hear. Weren't we going to do that? Were we going to open up that mailbag? Yeah, we are. We're actually going to open up the mailbag, believe it or not. Uh, watch for it this afternoon. If you're listening to this on Monday, of course, that would be predicated on the fact that Ian got this up in time. No, just kidding. <laughs> uh, but in any case, uh, if, uh, if you are listening to this on a Monday, then, yeah, definitely look out uh, for the mailbag because we will be adding some uh some uh, shape it be flavor to your uh, your Twitter timeline, and uh, if you have any questions, anything you'd like to see covered, please let us know. But uh, you know what, Murph? We are all about the New England Patriots we today, are. and NFL football here on One Patriots Place, and uh, there's still a lot to talk about. There is still always a lot to talk about. It's been uh, now over a month now since the Patriots began their off season. It's been a little over a week now since the NFL officially began theirs, and speculation machine just keeps rolling on doesn't it my friend it really does man every day there's a there's a new uniform out there that tom brady would look just fantastic in and you know this week it's the cowboys and i was going to ask karen this a little but i'm going to ask you now 
What do you think of Tom Brady in a Cowboys uniform? How pretty would that be? Uh, Tom Brady in a Cowboys uniform. Uh, I think if anybody is on Twitter, you know that uh, GIF or the GIF file where uh, uh, Clint Eastwood is sitting on his uh, porch, and I, I think it's from uh, Gran Torino, and he's just <laughs> sipping his coffee, and he has that disgusted look on his face. Yeah, that's pretty much my reaction to that. No, look, all, and all, all kidding aside, and this is really that's my reaction to any. That's not just the knock on the Cowboys, folks. That's a knock on any other of the 31 other NFL teams that you want to Photoshop Tom Brady in a jersey on you know ultimately at the end of the day uh i had uh, uh, joe marino and john butchko join me on locked on patriots uh last night because we're doing the ultimate divisional crossover for the locked on network this week and the one thing that no one seems to be able to understand or give a, a concrete answer is if tom were to leave what is a better situation than what he has in new england and ultimately i just don't see it i don't care whether it's Dallas. I don't care whether it's Los Angeles, whether it's Las Vegas. I, I just can't see another situation that allows Tom to maximize his talent, to be able to utilize the ability to take advantage of the small window he has left to win and still be able to play at a high level. I think New England is his best fit. Now, yeah, Dallas has got deep pockets. You can definitely understand the fact that they'd be intrigued to bring him in. Uh, apparently, uh, Jerry Jones has had a uh, an infatuation with Tom Brady for quite some time, whether he'll admit it or not. Uh, people close to him say that he's been always been a guy that he's coveted. So it doesn't surprise me to see these stories come out. But at the end of the day, I really don't see Dallas moving on. Believe it or not, I don't see them moving on from Dak Prescott to sign Tom Brady for a limited window when they know that Prescott could end up being their quarterback of the future. And you saw flashes in Dak this year that prove that he is capable of leading a team. I think a lot of it was uh, based on some of the problems he had in his supporting cast. I think a lot of the problems Dallas had was coaching down the stretch. I think that team quite out flat, flat out quit on Jason Garrett. So, um, yeah, I, I look at this now and I say, yeah, it's the, the story or the flavor of the, the week, I guess. But uh, ultimately, I don't see much materializing from it. Yeah, the 32 flavors of the NFL, the um, the 30, you know, the 31 others just don't taste as sweet as Patriots Rocky Road. And um, that's usually <laughs> the way it is around here in a, a Rocky Road. Um it wouldn't be the off season without the Patriots dominating the talk. And in every single year, it seems to be one thing or another. Personally, I'll take this over what we've had over the last five to 10 years, any day of the week, man. It's, 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 you know, it's kind of refreshing, <laughs> a little refreshing, but refreshing yep. that, you know, they, there, there's, there's no scandal talk. out. I mean, there's still fringy people out there talking about, you know, um, film crews that showed up and asked for permission to be in a press box. Um, but other than that, you know, there, there really hasn't been a lot. It's basically been on the field stuff. And one of the things that I find fascinating is the fact that, you know, this for the first time in a very long time in uh, for the last five years, and uh, this, this off season has been a bit longer, but our guest is here right now. And I'm going to introduce her as soon as I finish swallowing this, this bit of coffee. Karen Garigian from the Boston Herald has agreed to join us today. And thank you so much, Karen. I've been looking forward to this all, you know, for two weeks now. And, and you're here and, and you are just going to be you and, and make this show the, the best one that we've had in like decades, I probably think. 
that's usually <laughs> the way it works out. Karen, thank we you. Love, we love hyperbole, don't we? <laughs> we do, don't we? <laughs> I'm pretty good at it. Karen, that's all right. This, I'll, I'll take it. I'll yeah, take okay. it. I, yeah, I know. We'll take it. And we'll put it over there in the hope chest that Grandma left us and, and, and oh. you know, just take it out on days that we're not feeling good about ourselves. And um, I can't imagine that that would be too many days for you, you know, considering the work that you do and over there. Oh, God, I, I just it's, you're the reason I subscribe. You really are. Um, oh, thank you. Karen, I, I want to ask, is is this off season um, a bit of a exhale for you as it is for Mike? And I, I'm sorry, Mike debate is with us today. Mm. And um is is this off season an exhale for you as it is to the both of us compared to maybe the last four or five off seasons? In in some ways, yes, yeah. but in other ways, no, because watch is constant, and yep. any little even even things that kind of leak out that aren't are just for fun fodder. I mean, everyone's paying attention. So, I mean, and it's the biggest, it is the biggest off-season question for the Patriots in so many ways because what they do if they bring him back is one thing. Mm -hmm. What happens if he doesn't come back? I mean, their priorities completely shift in, you know, both, both directions. So, I mean that's that's the intrigue and you know timing the timing of Brady I mean it's just again that there's no rest this off season bottom line no there isn't there, there's no rest this off season at all I'm just I'm just that this year it, it seems to more be predicated on football needs and football issues as opposed to you know. Um, air pressure or camera placement or, you know, who is, who is leaving on the coaching staff, but not leaving and, uh, and how that's working out. And it's, even though the Patriots did lose some, some really fine quality coaches this off off season, um, they, the big names didn't really go the way they had in, in years past. And, and there wasn't a, um, a backlash when when some folks decided maybe this was the best spot for them. In the end, do you think that that the Patriots are still the best spot for Tom Brady to finish his career? I do. Um and you know whether Bill Belichick comes around to that notion. Uh, <laughs> there is my follow-up. Remains, <laughs> remains to be seen. <laughs> yeah. Um, and he might. I, I mean, it, I don't. It's not like the the free agent field is littered with people that could make them a Super Bowl contender. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, trading for Andy Dalton, another rumor. Well, does anyone really think Andy Dalton's going to bring them to the promised land? Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard to know what they think yet of Jared Stidham, if he's ready, if he's close to being ready, or if they actually think he's the heir, because I'm not sure about that either. So, right. So it it just it just brings you back to saying. 
Brady looking out on the yonder. <laughs> um, <laughs> there's some obviously there's some teams with more weapons, some teams that might interest them him. But does he want to go somewhere and either have to teach everyone a new offensive scheme or learn another offensive scheme? I mean, there's just so many variables in play. Mm-hmm. And is he going to find a head co- coach out there better than Belichick? So uh, it's just, I mean, I know like any long relationship and marriage, they've had their difficulties over the past <laughs> two decades, but not to the point where it impacts the product on the field. So, Well, since Karen answered my uh, follow-up question so well, go ahead, Mike. <laughs> I'm, Karen, I'm just so present here, you know? <laughs> yeah, uh, absolutely. And in a lot of ways, Karen, my question is uh, sort of one that you've uh, uh, already hit a little bit, but I'll ask you to just take a deeper dive. By the way, it's a pleasure to share the microphone with you today. I appreciate Murph asking me on the fill. Big shoes uh, left behind by uh, uh, Steve Balistrieri, but Steve will be back at it uh, uh, next week and mm-hmm. back at it better than ever. Um, but you did mention about Bill Belichick and him holding the reins in a lot of ways when it comes to the, the decision to be made on Tom. Now, Bill has a reputation, and we all know this up here in New England, of being a guy that would rather cut the umbilical cord a little earlier than later when it comes to uh, players. Earlier this week on Locked On, I, I um, embellished on that a little bit and mentioned guys like Ty Law, Lawyer Malloy, Richard Seymour, Adam Vinatieri, guys that left New England, maybe with a little bit more than just a little left in the tank, but it was uh, before they started to show uh, a serious amount of decline. But in those situations, the Patriots seem to always have a competent backup plan. And you mentioned Jarrett Stidham, and I've watched him this year in training camp over the course of the year, and Jarrett shows signs of promise at times. He's got a nice arm. He has the ability to maneuver around, but I didn't see an awful lot in him that made me believe he was the heir apparent, like you said. I think one of the big reasons why, and Murph and I have discussed this several times, that they brought in Cody Kessler was because of Cody's ability to successfully run the scout team, which Jarrett showed a little bit of difficulty in showing. If you're Bill Belichick, do you believe that factors into your decision when deciding to bring Tom back? And I know there's been a lot made of this $30 million number. My assessment is that I don't think it's going to quite take that to get Tom back. I don't think that's the magic number that he's looking for. I think there's give and take to be made there, assuming the Patriots present a plan that allows him to be able to have maybe a little bit more offensive weapons at his disposal. Do you agree with that assessment? And if not, uh, what might we be looking for in terms of a contract when it comes to trying to find a happy medium between Brady and the Pats? Well, I do agree. Uh, the, I mean, if if it's uh, 30 million or upwards of 30 million then what's the, i think Brady's first priority is not necessarily the dollar figure mm-hmm. his priority is is being someplace a that has a chance to win and b has has viable weapons on offense he does not want to repeat of last year and last year's offensive show, which was not one because um, there were there were too many either young receivers, new receivers who didn't catch on with the program. Revolving and, door receivers, mm-hmm. right? And and if you can't 
if you're the type of quarterback Brady is or anyone is, if you can't rely on the receiver to be in the place he's supposed to be, I I mean, it's just that's a recipe for disaster. And it was at times, which we saw uh, during the season. He doesn't want that. Um, you know, they did give it a try with Antonio Brown, but he was just too much of a personal disaster to stick. Yep. Uh, Brady loved him from a from a purely uh, work situation and what he could do for the offense. I mean, they clicked immediately, and uh, I think I don't think it's impossible uh, for uh, people to come in and and get on the same page with rather quickly. He he did it with them. He did it with. Randy Moss. I mean, there's other receivers slash tight ends who have come in, and it, it didn't take years to have them figure out what the heck to do or where the heck to be or what they what was expected of them. Um, so you know, people say, "Well, what's a what's a difference?" He's, if he wants new weapons, they're going to have to learn the offense too. Well, it depends on who the weapon is and what their Great level point. of intelligence is. <laughs> and, right. you know, uh, if, you know, as I said, trust me on this, he loved Antonio Brown as a receiver because they were doing magic on the field uh, during practice sessions. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, it was special. It well, really was. Uh, so mm-hmm. are there other people now? I don't. You know, I think it was the right thing to let him go. Mm-hmm. Um, but are there other comparable weapons, let's say, that they could bring in that would appease Brady? I think that's the number one thing. Not the bank account. Yeah, I, I think that's such a good point, Karen, and I'm so glad that you made that. And especially the point that I don't think enough people make, myself included, is that it doesn't necessarily mean that the weapons are going to have a learning curve coming in here and that this offense is impossible to find a synergy with Tom Brady. It can be done. It takes the right football acumen. It takes the right football mind to be able to do it. And if you can find that synergy right away, don't forget Antonio Brown and, and, uh, and Tom Brady came in and were able to find that click pretty, pretty uh, quickly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. They didn't have a, an, a, an off season or they didn't have a training camp to develop that type of, of relationship. They were able to do it pretty quickly. So I think that's a great point to bring up. And like I said, one that not a lot of people do, but that mm-hmm. could be a, a key factor in Tom's decision-making. So thanks. Excellent information as always. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think... well, <laughs> right. Um, well, I think about the he difference. was just so his 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 synergy w- with Brown, his confidence in Brown, I think really showed right from the get go as to where, you know, other people have come in here that that Tom just hasn't been that that confident in in knowing that he's going to throw the ball and and before the cut is made and that they're going to be there and fight for that pass or not even have to fight for that pass. And, um, mm-hmm. and I think knowing that knowing Brown for as long as he had seeing what Brown was able to do on the, on the football field with, um, with Ben Roethlisberger all those years 
was was really a, a weight lifted off of Tom's shoulders the second he uh, put on a helmet last year, and you could you could really see it drag on him when when Antonio was let go. Um, I mm-hmm. I am with you. I thought it was it was the right thing to do when they did cut him, and I, I just hope the man's out there because I do. I think he needs I think he needs some help. Um, yeah. Go ahead. I'm yeah. sorry. I, I stepped on somebody. <laughs> no. Well, you know, I, I was just going to say um, it's also not impossible for receiver for for rookies or young receivers yep. to come in. Um, I mean, you saw it with I mean Gronk. Yeah. Uh, and you wouldn't you wouldn't think on the surface that he would have the acumen <laughs> to to grasp the Patriots offense right away, but he did. Mm-hmm. And um Malcolm so did Mitchell. Malcolm Mitchell who you know Brady relied on him in that Super Bowl against oh, the Falcons. I mean and again, he he was in and out of the lineup that year mm-hmm. due to injury. But when push come came to shove, he knew enough of what he was supposed to do and where he was supposed to be that Brady trusted him. Yep. So even Kembrell Tompkins you know, right. it's it, not. It it's not impossible. Yeah, mm. but again, receivers in the Patriots' offense not only have to know the plays and the variations of the plays, which is difficult enough, mm. but they also have to be able to read the defense, and they have to to kind of know what Brady is seeing and thinking. Uh, when Brady sees the defense and and calls something an audible or something so quickly after what mm-hmm. he sees the defense is doing, um, I will never forget the and and this is maybe the best example that I can give you. Um, taking you back to the uh, double pass with uh, in the AFC championship game I think it was it was against Baltimore I believe Mm -hmm. and um, the play where uh, Brady throws to Edelman and Edelman throw on launches that first touchdown pass the first time they let him pass in a game that worked with Amendola going back to the massacre in Kansas City week two uh, where they were just getting creamed by the Chiefs, um, they had called that play in that game. And when uh, Brady looked over to Amendola, because Amendola had saw what what the uh, defense was playing, it was Amendola who waved off the play, and they went to something else. But receivers, again, Receivers have to know what's going on and if certain plays work or not, because that's what Brady relies on too. What's the coverage over there? Is this going to work? Are they playing man? Are they playing zone? Are they just playing you man? So there's so many variables. It's not like Chad Johnson just run down the field. Right. So again, that's the other thing. Having, having a set of wide receivers that is intelligent enough and, and know Tom well enough that they feel comfortable being able to do that, to wave off that play in that, that instance when some some other receivers that have come in here just haven't, right? 
Right. And and Tom Tom is going to know pretty quickly whether you're going to have a grasp or not have a grasp. He sits with them in the film room. And 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 they go over the defense together. So if the receiver can't answer questions in the film room, how the heck is he going to answer the questions on the field? <laughs> right. So there you go. Um uh but anyway, just getting back to the point, yes, it's more difficult than most offenses. Yes, Brady is more difficult to be a receiver for. But it's not it, there are so many cases where guys have gotten it and they were on the same page. They quickly. really are quite quickly and somebody that I want to know get a feel from you if you think that they could come in here and and, and fit well and and pick things up quickly that is on the free agent market that a lot of people are talking about is AJ Green. Do you think that he's somebody that could come in here and and function as a um as a New England Patriot in this offense? <laughs> well, I don't know. Coming from Cincinnati, you never know because I know. That's that's why um, I mean, be, people out there they they tell what are you insane Murph? It's AJ Green. And where, I'm like, well, you know, where, he's where, Yeah. Cinco came from that program, and and right. again, all he knew what to do was run down the field. Their uh, their offense wasn't complex at all, and but obviously things have changed over the years. Um, and um, I don't again, I don't know. I know AJ Green is a is a terrific receiver, um, and has that type of ability that they would be looking for, but. Again, will he will he grasp all the things he's supposed to do as a receiver? And and another that, thing it, is, what kind of number do you think that he would come in here for? Because I honestly, I'm not paying AJ Green more than I'm paying Muhammad Sanu right now. Do you think that's a, a number that he would he would play for? Yeah, I'm not sure, and I'm and he's even he's. I'd be leery of him because he stated last year, well, two things. The injuries, he had the whole season off with an ankle problem, basically, yep. last year. And two, he, he stated his desire to stay with the Bengals. Fine. For, you want to stay with a loser? I I mean, is that... Is that yeah. Great it's point. It's almost like he, he, he didn't want to be challenged, didn't care to play for a winner, didn't care to get a ring. I'll just sit here in Cincinnati and lose and lose and lose. Yeah, and collect my my paychecks, and and that's that's right. what I'm here for. I can I can show up to practice or not show up to practice. Nobody's going to expect me to be there if there's snow on the ground. Um, right. and and it's you know I'm a, here I'm AJ Green. There I'm just you know yeah. So I might three. I might actually stay away from AJ Green, mm-hmm. even though talent wise, right? He checks off that box. He sure does. He sure does. Nobody, nobody here is debating that. Somebody that I don't want to stay away from, though, and uh, I know uh, Mike is going to be very upset that I'm bringing this name up, is Hunter Henry, um, mm-hmm. because I know he has Hunter Henry in his notes somewhere, and I just stole that question. Um, <laughs> no, you didn't. The, no, you didn't. Go ahead, go the, ahead my friend. One of the, on one politically. Of the, thank you. One of, <laughs> one of the, the, the biggest issues that this team had last year was the fact that they, they just could not Frankenstein Rob Gronkowski um, mm-hmm. with, with multiple players. I, I believe that somebody that, that he can, that can come in here and do a lot of the things that Rob did is Hunter Henry. 
the only thing, the only issue that I'm having is is the money. I think that a lot of cash is going to be thrown his way. Do you think that Hunter Henry is somebody that uh, Bill should clear some cap space for and maybe get in here? And and is he somebody that would sign? As I keep saying, you know, um, it's a chicken and the egg kind of thing happening here in New England right now as to whether or not, you know, free agents will want to come here before Tom is signed and, mm -hmm. you know, whether or not Tom is going to sign without the, you know, the new weapons being brought in or more weapons being brought in as everybody's talking about. How do you feel Hunter Henry would, would fit in this in this scheme? Well, yeah, there's a lot of good little points that you brought up in there um, about will free agents even want to sign with the Patriots if they don't think Tom is going to be there. Yep. So, um, so that's so that's one thing. Um, I think the biggest hurdle. Uh, I, I'd love Hunter Henry um, in the Patriots' offense. I'd love to see him with Tom Brady. Mm -hmm. um, they, the whole point is, you, you need somebody that defenses respect, so they don't quadruple team Julian Edelman, right. because that's what was happening. Um, all they had to do was double Edelman, have have a spy on uh, James White coming out of the backfield, and because the other other weapons, let's say, were all kind of a crapshoot, it was easy to defend the Patriots. Now, a lot of that was not having Gronk because right. Gronk took people with him, and even if he had people with him, he'd still make plays, um, even though his final season, you, you wouldn't say, was among his best. But no. when, when, cr when crunch time came, and they needed to make a play, he was still good enough to make that play. Hunter Henry, I think he's the guy you should target, but don't be surprised if the Chargers franchise tag him. Ooh, yeah. there's something I didn't think of. Because, because Very good um, it's, I, I think in one of the uh, current estimates that came out, I don't think the tag number for tight ends is, is that bad. It's around $11 million. And wow. if you could get Hunter, as you said, the prices are going to escalate. But if you can get Hunter Henry for $11 million for hold on to him for another season, and yeah. if you're the charges and want to show Tom Brady you're going to keep weapons around him, Mm -hmm. uh, Franchising Hunter Henry uh, makes a lot of sense for the Chargers. It, it sure really is. does, Karen. I'm so glad that you made that point. Um, I actually, believe it or not, I actually covered the Chargers for a couple of years before moving over to the Patriots for Locked On. And Hunter is someone that they value very highly in that organization. They did since they brought him in. And the uh, franchise tag is definitely an option for him. You're right. I've seen different numbers. I've seen fluctuations between 11 and just a hair under $12 million for the, uh, uh, the cap hit. For, or the, uh, the salary for, ends, for, a, yeah. uh, for a franchise for tight end. So that's a pretty reasonable figure for a guy that does have mm -hmm. all of the tools. He does check the boxes. 
Garrett Gibbons. Mm-hmm. Hunter has had some injury history in his career, I think, and a lot of people may look at that and shy away from it. But I can tell you that will not deter the Chargers. They were very happy to have him back on the field this year. So mm-hmm. to me, I know Murph and I talk about pie in the sky. I would, I for one would love to see Hunter here in, uh, in New England. Mm-hmm. I think he would be a great yeah. fit. I, I think, think a lot of people. Them yeah. Absolutely. And I think it would give them a lot of firepower. But at the end of the day, I think it's likely that he actually ends up staying in Los Angeles because of the fact that the franchise tag is such an appealing option to keep him around. The only th- the way I think he leaves is if he really lets management know that he's ready to move on, that he might not be willing to uh, you know, stick around for another, maybe a rebuilding uh, situation if their bids to acquire Tom Brady fail. We already know they're going to move on from Phillip Rivers. So I think the quarterback situation could have something to do with that as well. But that's a great, great point. I'm so glad you made that. Yeah, I uh, yeah I agree with what you just said. And again, the, the, the Chargers, they're moving into a new stadium. You know, do they want to really start letting their stars go? Mm-hmm. And um, I also saw something that uh, I think I think you'll see the Chargers draft a quarterback. Yep. Mm-hmm. But right. and maybe find uh, who knows. I, I've heard they they might be in line for Cam Newton too. Yeah, there so, you go. Uh, so again, do you cut your weapons or do you do you keep what you can for as long as you can if you're the Chargers? I think if you're gonna so, if you're gonna end up trading for Cam Newton, then you then it's you you have to keep your weapons. Cam isn't somebody that makes other play. While he's a good quarterback, don't get me wrong, folks. Don't start with the hate mail and Murph hates Figman. <laughs> please, um, he, he's not somebody that that makes receivers better. Uh, he he's he's shown in the past that receivers can have good seasons with him, but that's basically because everybody's afraid that Cam is going to take off and run with the ball and, and you Correct. Know, I mean and you, that's and that's the and that's of not, appeal yep. of any mobile quarterback. And that's why you're now seeing many more mobile right. quarterbacks. And I'm not talking about Lamar Jackson mobile. He's a he's in a different category. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's the right that's it. You know, but, that's, that's serious. The, the, the dog star over here and you know, the, the rest of the Milky way shining over here or whatever. I, mm-hmm. I don't know why I went down that road, but yeah, no, mm-hmm. I agree with you. It's a different shelf. It's a different level with him. Right. But nowadays I think you're seeing teams gravitate more toward a quarterback who is, is at least some threat mm-hmm. Pat, Pat Mahomes like to take off with the ball, and but that forces defenses to have to respect that and play differently, whether as opposed to you being a pure pocket passer, right? Such as a Tom Brady and the Drew Brees and Eli Manning, yada yada yada. I think having having a quarterback who can use his legs is now the the rage in the NFL because again defenses have to protect against that option. That's it. And not everybody can be Steve Young. Um I'm just going to throw that out there because this has been going on for a very long time people and a lot of folks seem to keep forgetting that, you know, we can go all the way back to Tarkington or you know yeah. uh, again and again and again. Um, but you know, give me the give me the pocket passer that that's able to move like Steve Young, as opposed to the guys that that 
the league is is trending towards. Let, let's let's flip this to some of some of the Patriots free agents and who you feel is the most important to bring back this season. Well, again, I <laughs> I think a lot of this will depend on where is Brady going, <laughs> mm. and um, if if Brady stays, the priority will probably be getting him weapons or more weapons, perhaps at the cost of re-signing somebody on defense or several people on defense. Um, I've thought, and especially people like Van Noy or Jamie Collins, who are really looking for a big, big, big payday. Um, I think the, 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 um, the Patriots' defense, their strength of their defense is in the secondary. And I think um, one priority or the priority actually might be uh, resigning Devin McCourty. Thank um, you. <laughs> because, again, people, I don't think people quite give him enough credit, but he's the quarterback back in the secondary. And he's the one, just as important as I think. Dante Hightower is important to the front level and mm-hmm. getting one at getting everyone in line or in place or doing the right thing. That's Hightower's importance up front. It's McCordy in the backfield, mm-hmm. you know, making sure everyone is got the right guy doing the right thing, moving in the right place. He, he's the quarterback back there and he's he's coming off one of his best seasons he really is um mm-hmm. and he you know we were talking about players with intelligence or so on he is just he's on a at least he can communicate with bill belichick on his level when it comes right. to right thank you right um, beautiful point when it when it comes to tr- trying to translate Belichick to a defense or helping guys know what to do. Um, I think why did the Patriots take him in the first round all those years back? Mm. Because he sat, Belichick had him in for a film session pre-draft and he was, I don't, I don't think Belichick has ever blown away, but Belichick could tell how smart McCourty was based on the little film session they had. So um, I don't think, you know, little things like that aren't easily replaced. If you don't have somebody back there who has, A, as much an understanding of the game, and B, as much of an understanding of what Belichick wants you, how Belichick might want you to zig or zag during certain plays, I think he's very important to resign. And for that reason, you watch Flores go after him. You watch you're Ooh. gonna watch uh Matt Patricia make yep. a move for him. But because people in the Patriots system who have coached these players know exactly what Devin McCourty does for a defense. Miami scares the hell out of me this offseason. They have, well, they, they have, have a ton of money. All they the can money spend in the it. world. And, and right. Ryan Flores is beloved by everybody that meets him. I'm not just talking yeah. about, you know, 
people that he's coached in the past. Uh, you meet Brian Flores, and you, and you 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 immediately fall in deep amour with this man and his his knowledge of of um, this game and and how he treats other players. It's it's really fantastic, and and he still has a great sense of humor, as you can tell by his DJ selections <laughs> during <laughs> practice. Yeah. Yeah. But no, that, it, that it's it's really true. I, I love the way that that Devin, uh, the season that Devin had, you could see the um, the almost uh, telepathic tendencies that he has with his brother when they were out mm-hmm. there. I thought when uh, before Jason uh, got a little banged up at the end of the year that the the defense was was playing even better um, than it had in in quite some time. It was really fantastic to watch. And and no, I agree. But my, I want Ted Karras back on this team really mm-hmm. bad. Um, well, I, I want Joe Tooney I think he back on this back. team really bad. Um, I and yeah, I just the market don't know might if, the market yeah. might tell something different with regard to Joe Tooney. I know, and, uh, and I could just see. Ken, but the, the Patriots are like plug and play, plug and play. We can we, we can make up for anyone. <laughs> Oh but God! I know. You also, you also don't have, and here's the, the biggest loss for the Patriots. You don't have Dante Scarnecchia there, you know, uh, with the offensive line uh, basically getting the most out of each and every one of those players, and you know, having some semblance of a line. Now they had to deal with major issues, uh, David Andrews. Uh, not having Isaiah Wynn and other guys, Marcus Cannon not being great. So it was like half the line was either missing or not playing well, but somehow by toward the end, um, they were a little more than serviceable up front. And that, a lot of that is Skarnakia. If anybody can hear this, hold hold on one second, Mike, and then I'll give it to you. No, go ahead. Listen. Did you hear that? That was me once again scratching out my follow-up question. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm just going to skip down, maybe, and I'm going to go through and cross out every I'm follow-up. <laughs> maybe I'm telepathic like McCourty. <laughs> you could be. You could be. Go ahead, yeah. Mike. No, that's mm-hmm. just that is pure and utter skill right there. And that, <laughs> we're, I assure mm-hmm. you, Murph and I are both in awe right now. But, uh, Karen, I'm mm-hmm. glad that you brought up the point of the offensive line and the loss of Dante Scarnecchia, which definitely is a mm-hmm. huge loss for the Patriots without any question, not just from a logistical and X's and O's standpoint of how he's able to coach a line, but the impact he has mm-hmm. on his players and the love that they have for him and the desire they have to go to the ends of the earth to make you know his line everything that it needs to be. A couple of guys that redshirted last year, the Patriots did invest draft capital on, were Yelda Froholt and um, Yanni Kajust. Right now, we're not sure about Yanni. I haven't read a whole lot on him in terms of how his uh, injury situation is progressing uh, and what his readiness might be for 2020. But uh, Yelda projects at least to be physically ready to give it a go this year. One of the mm-hmm. concerns that I have is losing a guy like Dante. These are two very young, uh, very promising offensive linemen. I know a lot of people were talking about Kajus as maybe a steal for the Patriots last yep. year, mm-hmm. being able to oh, pick I him will. up as late as they did. 
with the type of pedigree he came in coming out of college with. But uh, does it concern you at all that with the loss of Dante, that especially some of the young linemen, maybe even a Ted Karras, who if the Patriots do bring him back, if for any reason David's not able to go right away or able to go at 100% if he needs an increased role, could that be a concern for the Patriots this year and the amount of young talent they might have on the offensive line that might need a tutelage like the type that Dante Scarnecchia brings to you? Oh, absolutely, 100,000%. And, um, you know, one of the best things about Skarnekia was how much, how great of a teacher he was. And, you know, taking these young players who, you know, might not have been first-round picks, let's say, Mm. and teaching them enough in terms of techniques and drilling them to, you know, so they were always in shape and in shape toward the end of the season and could outlast teams and beat teams in the physically in the trenches um, late in the year. Um, I mean, he, let's face it. He was like a drill sergeant, but, but a, an endearing and very good one. And he harped and harped and harped on leverage and techniques um, to the point where, you know, you and I could probably hold off someone for a half second. So <laughs> just, 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 just getting. I mean, well, maybe you, under- Karen. No, uh, well, but I mean, he he is that good. Uh, to yeah. you know, again, if they if they follow what he says about leverage, if they use utilize his techniques. Um, Again, he can make more out of less and extrapolating that further. If you're Tom Brady, Tom Brady had the ultimate trust in Skarnecchia and that he would be protected no matter who was playing on the line. And that's, that's also priceless when you have the quarterback have that kind of trust. And it's like that wouldn't be an issue you know, with Brady coming back with Skarnecchia there, I think that might be another thing if 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 Brady is weighing pros and cons of where he's going. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, having a trust that the offensive line is going to protect him. And he always had that with Skarnecchia there. He sure did. Um, do you think that this is going to affect it? You know, the, the Patriots have had more time this year to prepare for the draft than they have in like in five years. Um, do you think that this is going to affect how they evaluate talent and where they may trade may try to find help on that offensive line? I, I've said before, I said on Mike's show last week that I think in the first round that they are going to go for an offensive uh, lineman. And I like uh, Cesar Ruiz, the kid out of Michigan. I'm not sure how Tackle, much. Tackle, yeah. Yeah, the the center guard. Yeah, it, it's he's it's, he's actually played all over the all over that line. Mm-hmm. And do you think that they'll they'll use more draft capital in the higher rounds trying to to fill these holes than they would in the past in knowing that you know this is somebody that Scar can coach up. Hmm. Well, I think some of it depends on you know what they else if the prognosis for Kajust and Froho. Okay. So, I mean, 
but you're also potentially losing two key key players on that line uh with Karis um uh, and god now we can't even think of his name I'm having a brain cramp uh Tooney. the Tooney yeah so yep. if you're if you're losing those players uh, again how confident are you in the other people taking over and uh, again, seeing how market well or not well Marcus Cannon performed during the year, is there concern there as well? Right. And let's face it, they, I mean, they didn't really have a, a you know great system of backup tackles. So I would I agree with you in that it might be a priority for them to go in the draft and get more reinforcements for the line. I, but again, I think it depends on what they're thinking is with Kajust, um who supposedly can play both sides, and uh, Froho. You know, um, Steve had had reported last week. He he wrote in one of his articles that Cannon is gone. Cannon will not be returning. And we we all know that that Marshall Newhouse, you know, gave it the old college try. But this is he's he's a long time. Yeah. From college, and he won't be back. And if we lose Tooney and Karras, that's 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 a complete overhaul of this front line. God, it's right. so scary. I just I just I feel like Stephen King here. <laughs> and 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 let's not forget how injury prone is Isaiah Wynn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so is he someone that you can really depend on? Depend on? Right. I mean, I I liked what I saw from him when he did play. But right. again, is he someone you can count on for a full season? Thus far, he hasn't shown it. No, he so, hasn't. He's got to prove it. Right, and again, some of these injuries—you know, the Achilles thing—I don't think that's something he could have prevented or helped. No. But, but by the same token, sometimes there's just guys who just sort of keep getting yep. these injuries, and I, I don't want to totally. Uh, dump on him for that, but after two seasons and two two seasons where you didn't have have him for a lot of the season or all of the season, I don't know if you can just say, okay, yeah, he's left tackle and we're happy and that's going to just take care of the position. That's a great point. That's a great point. He's, he hasn't shown that he's somebody that you can just pencil in and um, and take care of that left side. And and that's why you know I keep throwing these offensive linemen out there that the Patriots should right. be going after. They need early. better depth. They yep, need better it, depth. They in 2018, um, I don't think I can remember a Patriots offensive line that had more luck health wise than it did. And in 2019, even though just they, the opposite. They, <laughs> it was just the opposite. Everybody was banged up. Everybody was hurt, and it really affected everything that happened around them from uh, from the passing game to the running game. I, it, we haven't even we haven't even really yep. talked about the running game at all. But um, one of the one of the biggest losses of the year um, came to that 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 line in in a way that. Um, Oh, why, why am I at a, a complete loss for the? See, I'm I'm doing it too. Um, I just gave oh. it to you. I gave I I passed that on. I had a brain fart. <laughs> <laughs> Murph, you thinking about James Devlin? 
I am. Thank you so much, Michael. Yep. Thank you. Yeah, See, we've known each other good. for quite a while. I yep, was like Devlin. <laughs> Devlin going down really also hurt this offensive line. And and the things that need yep. need to be rebuilt and it, it's it is, man. I do. I feel like Stephen King just rewriting Pet Cemetery and and making it Pet Cemetery. There goes my. Oh yeah, that that'd be a good article <laughs> right there. Um, but no, we we need to bring this back to life, and I I believe. You know, in my soul, that you build an offense from the inside out, and you build an, a defense from the outside in. And I think it's it's one of the two pages. It's it's two of the pages that that Bill and I share that that we are on the same page with, and that's the way he's going to go, folks. We've been talking with Karen Garigian of the uh, the Boston Herald, and and we're we're getting right up to God, man. This hour just flew by. Thank you so much for being here, <laughs> Karen. Yeah. Oh my God, I adore you, Mike. You have anything else for Karen before she takes off? Uh, she's lent the wisdom and counsel the way only she can do it. Karen, thank you. I think you've been excellent today. Uh, you've given us a lot to think about, and I know you've given the listeners here at uh, One Patriot's Place a lot to think about. Thank you. No, that's that's pretty much all I have. So uh, I I do uh, well, I do appreciate it. You you address a lot of my questions without actually having to be asked. Yeah. So that that site yeah. ESPN thing is very very good. <laughs> yes. uh, <we're... laughs> like telepathic abilities. Yeah. That's absolutely. Karen, before you take off, please tell everybody because you're so active on social media where they can follow mm. you. <laughs> that was an inside joke, folks. Um, where they yeah. can follow my, you on social media, yeah. where they can At read Twitter, you. Of my course, Twitter handle is at k garigian which if you want me to spell the name but uh g-u-r-e-g-i-a-n and just the first initial k so that's my twiddle handle you can find me there you can also find me uh to read by bostonherald.com um so yeah anytime anytime too you want me to yak for yak your ears off uh, give me a ring. <laughs> God, there is always a seat here for you, whether whether we have a guest or not. You have the number. Please call in any anytime. <laughs> we'll just <laughs> kick them on out unless it's Chatham because Matt gets really really angry, and he's larger than I am. There's only three people on the planet that are, mm-hmm. and Matt's one of them. Um, the other one's my son. We're not going to get into that right now. Uh, but no, thank you so much for being here, Karen. It's always a joy and a pleasure. Are you going down to, uh, the combine at all? I will be there. Yes, I will. Yep. That's fantastic. Enjoy it. Please stop in at St. Elmo's and have a uh, shrimp cocktail for me. And, uh, and burn burn my mouth out. Yes. Bring back a little sauce for Murph. (laughs) Bring back a little sauce for Murph. Oh, God, it's so good, folks. If you ever have a chance, it's the only reason to go to Indianapolis. It it really is. And I hope Tom heard that. Karen, thank you again for being here. We hope to have you back real soon. You're welcome. Anytime. Oh, so good. Karen Garigian, my favorite Armenian, folks. She is fantastic. Michael, I want to thank you for being here today. You stepped in and you, you filled those shoes quite admirably in making me look good, which is what Steve's purpose in life is, is to make me look good. <laughs> Nobody would know my name if it wasn't for him. And um, But no, Steve will be back next week. Mike, tell everybody what you're up to, where you can be reached, where you can be read, and where they can follow you on Twitter. 
Uh, you can always follow me on Twitter at N-D-A-B-A-T-E-F-P-C. Big week on the airwaves for me uh, this week. It's the ultimate divisional crossover on the Locked On Podcast Network. So if you're a fan of the New England Patriots, definitely want to check it out. But also, right. we're going to be coming at things from a Buffalo Bills perspective, from a Miami Dolphins perspective, mm. and even from a New York Jets perspective. Yes, they are a member of that division, so we do have to cover them by obligation. No, just kidding. My good friend John Butchko does the, uh, the Locked On Jets <laughs> show, and we had a good time already. Uh, last night talking about uh, the current division champions in the New England Patriots, chronicling the Bills on Tuesday, uh, the Jets on Wednesday, the Dolphins on Thursday, and then closing it up with a real love fest on Friday because it's Valentine's Day. So everybody on that show is going to profess how much they love Tom Brady. Of course, there I'm being go. sarcastic here, folks, but uh, I will be defending the wall. They want me on that wall. They need me on that wall. So uh, as always, it's, it's always a pleasure to join you uh, here on the microphone, my friend. Uh, it was thank you for the kind words. I assure you far too kind on filling Steve's shoes admirably. Uh, maybe I filled them yeah. today. But uh, he, uh, he, uh, he's definitely uh, a, a great man, and I appreciate him, too. And you can always count on Stephen Murph making a pop-up on Locked On. Uh, they usually pop up at least once a week, if not once every other week. And I love having them. It's always my honor. So uh, please be sure to uh, check out those Ultimate Divisional crossovers. They should be a lot of fun this week, folks. They will be, and I will be looking forward to them, and they will be a staple in my 2 to 6 p.m. Friends Don't Let Friends Listen to Felger and Maz uh, lineup. Um, and, <laughs> well, thank you for all the support, buddy. I appreciate it. Folks, we, we want to thank you all for tuning in. We want to thank Ian Glendon for um, – I did it again. I said Ian. He deserves it. Ian That's all right. He's been called worse. Yeah, I know, by, better, <laughs> by, by much better people. <laughs> Yeah, he'd be the first to admit that, I'm sure. <laughs> oh, man. But, no, we want to thank you all for being here. Steve will be back next week. Until then, I am Murph. This is One Patriot's Place, and how about them Patriots? <laughs>